man, I'm so excited to be here. Are you guys excited to be at church tonight? Man, this is awesome. Our church actually is uh, primarily night services, which is atypical, like, of any other church in America. Um, so this is, like, I'm in my element tonight. So I, I think I think this is going to be the best service today. Amen? Right? Um, well, like uh, Pastor Andrew said, my name is Joel Fletcher. I'm the lead pastor of 1900. My wife, Katie, and I um, lead that church. And Katie, wave. Everybody say, everybody say hey, Katie. Hey, Katie. And our daughter, uh, she's four years old. She's back at home with the grandparents. We love her so much. Can't wait to get back and squeeze her, the fat on her cheeks, you know, like, She's just awesome. Her name is Heidi, so maybe that wins me some points in Germany. I don't know. Maybe? Yeah? No? We'll see. Um, but I, I first off just want to honor uh, the Mac family and uh, Pastor Stephen and Karen. Come on, give it up for your pastors. These guys are incredible. The vision that they've had for 14 years to invest into a place where a lot of people don't want to invest in Berlin, Germany. Uh, it's tough terrain, tough soil. And also, I want to thank you guys for supporting your pastors. And lifting up their arms for serving, for giving, community groups, all the things that you do week in, week out, you're faithful. Like, we all need each other um, to continue reaching Berlin. And I want to say one more thing. Uh, this is the 1600 service, right? 1600 service? Yeah, so uh, I, I don't know if you guys go to any of the other services anytime, but they were almost to capacity today, both of them. And it's just overflowing with people. And so I want to thank you for being at the 1600 service and committing to pioneer this service and to make it the best service at Berlin Church. Amen. This is going to be the best service. And so we are making more room so that we can reach more people. So thank you for committing to being here. You guys are incredible. Okay, let's read together Ephesians 1 verse 19. As we continue our superpower series, which uh, I've been following along. I feel like I've been coming to your church for over a year because I follow you guys on social media and it's awesome because you guys inspire um, the local church globally. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but, um, but we watch, man, we tune in and it's, it's so cool to finally be here and read some scripture with you together. Let's read this. Ephesians 1 verse 19. It says, understand. Somebody say understand. We got to understand something new today understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Notice that phrase, power for us. It's power for us who believe. And then it says, who believe him. And then it says, this is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so I love this scripture so much, in the, especially in the superpower series, because what, it, what the scripture is saying is that the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead and out of a tomb, walking out of the tomb alive again, that same exact power didn't just like, it wasn't like a one-time use power that went away and it's not available anymore. No, it says that it's actually available for us today. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise the dead situation in your marriage. It'll raise the dead situation at work. It'll raise the dead situation, whatever it is you're dealing with in your life. Like, like dead things have to come alive because the resurrection is made available. The power of the resurrection is made available to us. And that's what this superpower series is about. I Man, we're talking about revival today. And I'm so excited to jump in. But before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible opportunity uh, we have to come together as the 1600 service. God, we are pioneering something new here. God, making room for more people to come and hear your gospel. God, I thank you for every individual in this room. I, I know that there's someone here that needs to hear this um, message. God, I know we all do, uh, but I'm praying for that person here 
uh, at the 1600 service that doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe they know of you, God. Maybe they uh, have even come to church, but God, they, they haven't fully trusted you as their Savior. I thank you for that person right now. I pray that you would bring salvation into this place. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you're near somebody, high five them and say superpower. If you're not near somebody, do air fives, throw them back, throw them all around, say superpower, superpower. So um, I grew up in church uh, a little bit. I was, I wasn't a, a Jesus follower, and we're going to talk about that. Like, I, I didn't actually know Jesus. I knew of him from all the Sunday school lessons and stuff like that that we do back in America. Um, but I, I grew up in church, and, and I heard some funny things. And one of the, one of the funniest things that I heard were um, Christian pickup lines. And um, I actually heard a guy, like, talking to a girl in church, and he leaned over. He said, baby girl. <laughs> he leaned over to this girl. He goes, hey, I'm reading my Bible, and it's incomplete. And the girl's like, what do you mean your Bible's incomplete? He goes, I've been looking through the book of Numbers and I can't find yours. Terrible. So bad. So bad. Um, I've heard it all when it comes to uh, church pickup lines and that sort of thing. And really what I want to talk about today is not not just like going to church. It's not just doing the thing. It's not just going through the motions, but it's going from here to there. And we're going to talk about what it means to go from here to there. And really what we're talking about is we're going from just celebrating revival, celebrating who Jesus is, to experiencing revival, experiencing who Jesus is. And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next few moments as we look through the story of Lazarus. Let's look at it together in John chapter uh, 11, which, by the way, um, it's important that we kind of preface the whole thing with this. You can't talk about revival without talking about death. Right. There is no like if there's no nothing dead, nothing needs to be revived. And so the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, we all deal with this symptom. And so every single person in here needs to go from here to there. Every single person needs to go from death to life. Every single person in here, maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus and you were justified. But guess what? The sanctification process is still moving forward. And so like every step of the way, we got to keep moving in step with God. We're going from here to there. So let's read this in the story of Lazarus. Um, as we look at dead things coming to life, we talk about revival in Berlin. Man, I'm so excited for today. Here's what it says, John 11, uh, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Notice all these characters because they're important, Mary and Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And so they say, Jesus, the one that you love so much, Lazarus, like you know Lazarus, right? Jesus knew these people. He knew Mary. He knew Martha. He knew Lazarus. He said, the one that you love so much is sick. And what they weren't saying uh, was the fact that Lazarus wasn't just sick. He was dying. Okay. And he was in desperate need of revival. And in verse five, it says, now Jesus loved Martha. Notice that. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Jesus loves everyone in this situation, uh, probably knows them well. And it says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Isn't that crazy? Like every time I read it, it blows my mind because I'm, because we have the natural inclination to say like, Jesus, if you love me, then you'll show up now. Right? Jesus, if you really care, if you really want to bring revival, then you would have done it already. Like, why, why are we here today in Berlin? Like, why are we living in a dying world when you've promised revival and it hasn't happened yet? 
How come I'm still going through this situation in my marriage? How come I'm still going through this situation in my finances, at my job, with my boss? Like, what is going on? Why am I still waiting? And it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard about Lazarus being sick, it says he stayed where he was two more days. He loved them, so he stayed where he was two more days. And see, a lot of us will have this kind of uh, thought process of like, no, I need healing right now. Uh, We need breakthrough right now. I've been praying. I've been praying like I've been believing and it hasn't happened right now. And, and, And we get so fixated with right now. We get really frustrated, right? We get really upset. It's kind of like anybody ever seen the movie Titanic? Anybody in this room? Do people in Germany watch Titanic? Okay. Yeah, you know the song, like Celine Dion comes on, she's like, near, far, you know, like, it's got that, like, penny whistle, like, you know, like, the, the whole thing, right? And you got this scene of, uh, of no, please don't, gosh, it's terrible. Uh, but you got, like, Jack and Rose, right, in the, in the ocean, and this Titanic has uh, sunk, and there, it's the icy water, and, um, and Rose is up on this piece of wood, and Jack's, like, kind of hanging on for dear life, and his frozen hair and eyes, and, like, he's just, he's in, in, and he's saying, he's saying, never let go, Rose, never let go, you know? And Rose is like, Jack, come back. And, and he's like, never let go, Rose. Never let go. And she's like, Jack, come back. What I've always wanted to say when I'm watching that movie scene is like, he would come back if you'd move over on that piece of wood. There's room for two people on that raft. Right? Like, what are you doing? Scoot over. And so, and so th- this is like, it's just something that frustrates me, right? But see, I think we can experience this kind of frustration where it's not funny. Where we're like, God, I thought, I thought you were going to show up. I need healing right now. I need you right now. But it's been two days. It's been two years. It's been 20 years. And I don't know if I can still believe in this revival that you're saying you are. I don't really know. And, 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 and what we try to do is we, we get so fixated on trying to make Jesus part of our schedule when that's not what we're supposed to do at all. What we're supposed to do is make Jesus the center of our life in which everything revolves in our life. But what we do is we say, oh, well, I'm waiting. So Jesus, you must not, must not care. But look, the scripture says he loved them. So he waited. He loved them so much that he waited two more days. And really how you respond in this time uh, of waiting, how you respond in the in-between, right? There's always a distance between uh, your calling and your destiny. And it's always discomfort. And how you respond in that moment will determine if you can experience the supernatural power, like everything God created you for the life that you're supposed to live, not just the one you're living. And so like, if we want to experience the Holy Spirit, if we want to experience this superpower, like that we're talking about in this series, if we want to experience revival, first off, it has to start in you. It has to quit, quit, paying, quit praying for revival around everywhere else and, and like missing out on the fact that I need revival. Like, I need revival every day. Jesus, I need you to continually take me from here to there. Let me say it like this. Don't allow your waiting season to be your wasted season. Don't, like, we take for granted the waiting seasons. And I feel like it was so easy for them. What do you mean you're waiting two more days? I need you to come now. And, and they're in this waiting season, and it almost seems like, you know, all right, how do we respond? We're going to see how they respond. Look at verse 11. It said, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to wake him up. 
Verse 14, right after it. Okay, Jesus says, Lazarus is asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. But then just a few verses later, verse 14, he says, Lazarus is dead. What? Jesus, you just said Lazarus was asleep. Was Jesus uncertain about the condition of Lazarus? No. Why did he say that he was asleep then and he's going there to wake him up? This is why. Because things that are dead to us are just asleep to Jesus. <laughs> it's too good. We're like, oh, that situation's over. There can't be a church planted in Berlin. There hasn't been a growing church in 100 years. Well, guess what? I heard of a church called Berlin International Community Church that's reaching hundreds of people. In a city where, no, where, where everybody said, no, it's dead. That's a dead city. You don't plant churches in Berlin. But Jesus is involved, right? Jesus called us here. And things that are dead to us, they're just asleep to Jesus. You, you might think your marriage is dead. No, it's just asleep. Just wait. Just get Jesus involved, right? Just keep leaning in. It might look like it's over. There's no coming back right now. But guess what? If you just keep leaning in, Jesus can revive anything. And so whatever it is, whatever it is you brought in with you today, I just want you to understand that, that there's always this process of going from here to there. There's always this process and it's always waiting in between. It's always discomfort between calling and destiny. It's always like a process that you walk through, but that's part of the sanctification process, which that's just a church word for growth. Like that just means you grow in your relationship with Christ. Like we don't have to, you know, do all these church words. Like, it's okay. It just means growing, just continuing to walk with Jesus. And we'll talk more about what that looks like. In verse 19, so Jesus waited two more days before he comes, uh, before he begins the journey to see Lazarus on his arrival. And it says in verse 19, in many Jews, somebody say many. It says in many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So many had come to comfort them in the loss of their brother. See, what you'll see is why Jesus was waiting two more days. I just have a theory based on what we just read in the scripture that he was waiting for the people to come that needed to witness the miracle that he was about to do. And so you know what? You might be in a waiting season, but it's all in God's perfect timing because guess what? Whenever it happens, it's gonna happen the way God wants it to happen. And so listen, th there might be people in here, you've been praying for, for, for however long. You could be two days away from a miracle. You could be 20 minutes away from a miracle. You could be one worship song away from, away from a miracle. How are you going to respond in the waiting? That's where we can really tap into all the power that God has for us. It said, and many Jews had come in verse 19 to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And let me say it like this. Jesus is always setting the stage for revival to take place. He's always setting the stage. See, the waiting was just happening because he was setting the stage. Every single, every single week, this team comes in here and you set a stage up. You set up lights, you set up kids, you set up environments. You literally put posters all over the walls, which that's just overachieving. Like we don't even get close to doing anything like that, right? Makes, makes me feel like I'm failing as a pastor. I, I walk in here, I'm like, this place is literally a church, you know? But every single week, why, why do your teams set up? Why, why do they set the stage every single week? Why do they tear it down? Why do they set something up just to tear it down? Because one soul is worth it. Because it's, it's, not, it's not just about the 99. It's about the one. And every single week, if just one more experiences revival in their heart, it was all worth it. And so like every single week, you guys set the stage for revival to take place in, in what used to be called Cinemax, but now it's called Berlin Church. Every single week. And so like that, that's what you're doing. So listen, if you've gotten tired 
If you've gotten like, is this, you know, what do we do? I don't know if this is, you don't even have to ask yourself if it's going in the right direction. You don't have to ask yourself if it feels right. Like, that's not your job. That's, that's the visionary's job. Like, let them get the re- revelation from God. You just need to honor. You need to continue serving. You need to keep being the heartbeat of this church like every single one of you are. This church is a life-giving church. Every single person in this room, every single person throughout every service today, I'm telling you, you are the lifeblood of this church. And because you're the lifeblood of this church, you're the lifeblood of, of Berlin. Okay, so every single week you're setting the stage for revival. When you come into worship, man, when you're lifting your hands, when you're like, it's not all for you. It might be for the person next to you and you're setting the stage for them to experience revival. So you know what? Even if it's not your favorite song, like who cares? Just worship like it is, you know, like even even if that pastor from America is not preaching good, just keep shouting anyway, because like the person next to you, you know what I'm saying? Like you're setting the stage everywhere you go. When you're in the workplace, you're setting the stage for revival. Like the way you present yourself, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you speak to people, the way you honor your, your authority at work, like all of those things speak volumes. You're setting the stage for revival. Like the men, the way you honor your wife, like the way that we lead in our homes uh, and, and vice versa, right? That's, that's setting the stage for revival to continue happening in our house. You know, in, in our, with our kids, really, we're setting the stage for our kids to grow up loving God, to be God honoring kids who grow up in the house. And so like Jesus is always setting the stage for revival to take place. And I just believe, man, I just believe it. Oh, gosh, I believe that Jesus is setting the stage for revival to take place in Berlin. It's already happening. Goodness gracious. Like you guys don't even, I, I feel like we can't fully fathom I can't fully fathom. I can't come in here one Sunday and totally understand all the life change, but I keep hearing stories, stories of people's entire family getting saved and coming to Jesus, getting baptized, didn't even go to church, like didn't even grow up in church. And they come in here, they hear the gospel and they come in here and everything changes. Like that should just be motivation for us to get people here on Easter, shouldn't it? Like this place should be packed full because you don't know who you're talking to. And that person, everything could change in their life. That's motivation for me to keep giving and like to, to be generous. Why? Because I, I know that this is going to be the best investment I ever make. There's no better investment than a kingdom investment. And every single, every single like time you give and like, it's not even, it's really not even about the money. It's about your heart. You know, and, and what we're doing is we're setting the stage for revival to take place. When you, when you take your kids to kids church, right? You drop them off every week. What are you doing? You're setting the stage for revival to take place in your kids. So maybe even you don't feel like coming Sunday, bring your kids and just come anyway, B- because you all need it, right? <laughs> and sometimes you got to come in angry. You just, had a, you just had like a fight with your spouse, right? You're walking, you're like, oh, I hate you. Walking to church, you're like, <laughs> you know, like the smile and stuff like that. Just, you just got to get in the house of God, because the Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish, right? So, so we got to tap into this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is always setting the stage for revival. So I want to ask um, one critical question as we kind of bring this to a close and I land the plane, hopefully. Um, and, and really, it's, it's, uh, it's critical, it's crucial if you're going to go from here to there. If you're not just going to kind of stop short of all that God has for you. Like if, you're, if you really want to experience not just the life you have, but the life that you were truly made for. Like the life you were made for then you got to do this. You got to ask yourself this question. And this is the question. Do you believe in Jesus or is 
or is your trust in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus or is your trust in Jesus? You may read that right now and think like it's the same thing. But here's the thing. We did like sightseeing and stuff the past couple days all around Berlin. By the way, I love your city. It's amazing. Um, it's really tempting just to move here, but got a family back home called 1900 Church. Got to get to. Um, and I don't, I don't know if Heidi would like it, although her name would fit in. But, you know, whenever you're going around Berlin, we were looking and uh, they have all these sculptures and artwork like on the buildings. And here's the thing. Jesus is all over your city. I mean, he really is. He's all over the buildings. Like you can, you can go find a story, a picture of Jesus anywhere. You can walk through these incredible cathedrals and, and stuff like we did. And, and like on, on the government buildings and, and you see these pictures. But here's the thing. There may be um, like in a city of millions, right? There may be, I, I, would, I would even venture to say that most people believe that Jesus existed. Most people. Why? Because they see it all the time. They hear the stories all the time. You see it. Like there's a reason why it's all over your buildings. Like most people would say that like Jesus existed in some form, but he, he was just a teacher. He was just a good guy. He wasn't really the Messiah. And so that's like a belief in Jesus. And you may think, well, what does that have to do with me? Everything. Because how we respond in moments of waiting will determine, and it'll show, it'll be the outcome of our heart, whether we actually believe, uh, whether we just believe in Jesus or whether we actually put our trust in Jesus. And here, I'm going to show you in the story, verse 21, it says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Notice Martha says, she's talking about the past, right? But we all know that there's no hope in the past. Hope can only exist in the future. Um, hope in the past is regret, right? And so like she's saying, she's saying, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And that's not a statement of faith, is it? That's a statement of like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Like I see you right here, you know, Jesus, you're cool. And like, I, I bet you could have done it back then. But the statement she's saying isn't really a statement of faith, is it? Because her brother's dead and she thinks that dead means dead, but she forgot that when Jesus is involved, he's just asleep. And so we see this conversation, this exchange uh, between Martha. And she says, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Um, and so I just want you to see where Martha is, because in this moment, she is broken. Some of you came to church broken today. First off, I'm glad you came because you're at the right place. You're at a place that loves you. You're at a place that's going to put you back together, that's going to pour into you. But Martha came broken. And she's uh, visibly upset about her um, brother and his situation. And so she could have stopped in this broken situation at Jesus, you could have. But if she did that, she would have missed out. She would have missed out on the miracle. Look what Martha says next in verse 22. And so this is the first statement she said, Jesus, you could have if you were here. That, that's a belief in Jesus, right? You could have. Jesus, you could have done it. But it's this next statement that Martha makes that is actually a statement of faith. It's actually a statement that says, my trust is in you, Jesus. So look at this in verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She could have, and so many of us stop, we say, oh yeah, that died a long time ago. Like Berlin, great, that'd be cool if, if you know, the church worked, but it's not gonna work. Oh man, I wish, I wish my relationship worked out, but it, it didn't, and it's over. And, right, and we, can put, we can like put the closing chapter on things that aren't over all the time. And, but, but Martha says, but I know that even now, even though he's dead, I know even now, God, you will get, God will give you whatever you ask. And so I see her trusting in Jesus, not just, not just a belief that he existed, but trusting. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Jesus says, oh, you're looking for an event. I am the substance of the event. Revival is not an event, it's a person, and his name is Jesus, right? And so if we wanna pray for revival, we need to pray for Jesus. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to take over. Not just like, oh man, I hope, I hope a revival happens. No, I hope revival happens. I want Jesus here. Because if Jesus is here, then dead things have to come to life. Jesus and death can't coexist. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and what? The life. He's not the death. <laughs> Jesus steps into a dead situation and has to wake up. It was just sleeping. And so Jesus says, uh, he, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Look at verse 26. And then he says, he basically says to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? You believe I'm the resurrection and life, that I am revival itself. In verse 27, she responds. She says, yes, Lord. And that's an indication of her previous statement that even now you can do this. Even now you can overcome. Verse 25, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in scripture. I love this verse so much. It's, it's probably like the cop-out verse. Like, what scriptures do you know? Jesus wept. <laughs> you know, it's like the shortest verse in the Bible. You've always got it on the back of your uh, head and you're ready to recite it anytime. But here's the thing. It may be the shortest verse in the Bible, but I think it's one of the most telling about how Jesus feels about us. That he's a compassionate God that cares, that loves, that weeps for us. That he, hey, you might be broken. He sees you and he don't want you to stay that way. He's, he's literally weeping for you because he wants you to go from here to there. He wants you to go from death to life. He wants you to live in the power of his resurrection. And so verse 41, uh, we finally see the miracle um, kind of happened, but here's the thing. We just saw the first revival in the story before Lazarus, you know, the story that we may have heard before, maybe not, maybe, but Lazarus is kind of like the typical revival story, right? Revived from the dead. But, but I would venture to say that Martha was revived before Lazarus was because she put her trust in Jesus. And so we see uh, the final miracle happen. So they took, the, they took away the stone. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I love the fact that he said Lazarus's name. And I think Jesus said Lazarus's name because if he just said, come forth, everything that was dead would have gotten up and came forth. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to know, Jesus is specific with your revival. Jesus is specific by calling Berlin Church by name. And he's saying, I'm gonna do something incredible here. People, people that are dead in dead situations are going to come to life. Dead dreams are going to come to pass. I am the God of more than enough, more than you can imagine. So we got to see this. In verse 44, it says the dead man came out. And so uh, I just wonder how many miracles we could have missed out on by saying like, oh, it's over. You know, or, or, or like miracles that we stopped too short praying for. I just wonder... I just wonder sometimes, like, if the miracle that we're waiting for is actually waiting on us. I just wonder sometimes, like, if we would just keep persisting, if we would just keep trusting Jesus, if some of those things that we gave up on a long time ago could come to pass. It says that the dead man came out, but verse 9, Romans 10, 9 says this, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe that God brought him back to life, you will be saved. And so, of course, this is referring to, uh, really, Lazarus is just foreshadowing a Savior that's going to come down to earth. A savior that came 2,000 years ago, and he went up on a cross for your sins and my sins. He took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future. 
and he nailed them all to the cross. And Jesus went down into a grave so that we didn't have to in our place. And he rose up on the third day, just like Lazarus did. And really, uh, Romans 10, 9, we can read this and we can think like, oh, if you declare that Jesus is Lord, like it says, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe, there's that word believe, that God brought him back to life, you will be saved. But really, if you take this word believe back to the root of the original language it was written, it's the Greek word pistuios. And pistuios means to, uh, it's not so much like a, a head knowledge belief. It's more of like a, a, a commitment to, like surrender, like give my life to. And so it says, um, if you declare that Jesus is Lord and commit your life, if you, if you surrender to him and you believe that God brought him back to life, you will be saved. And so it's talking about trust. And really, I just want to finish up our time um, together this evening with a story of a a tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. Maybe you've heard the story of Charles Blondin before, one of my favorite uh, preacher stories, but it's so good. And basically what it was is Charles Blondin was this tightrope walker, and basically he did a lot of crazy feats on this tightrope. And what he did was he spanned the entire Niagara Falls with a tightrope. 160 foot in the air over Niagara Falls would surely have led to his death if he fell off. Uh, he attached one end of the tightrope to the America side and one end of the tightrope to the Canadian side and literally was going across this giant waterfall of Niagara Falls. And so he was known for doing some pretty cool things on this tightrope. At first, he just started walking across, which was amazing enough, right? But then when he came back, he put on this potato sack and he started walking across the tightrope on a potato sack, just going from here to there, one side to the next. And then he did something even more amazing. He got a table, a frying pan, some eggs and bacon, and went out there and made breakfast, literally in the middle of the tightrope over Niagara Falls. And so all these people started to gather, all these people started to watch. They said, this is amazing. Like, you've got to see this guy. You're not gonna believe, like, it's, it's incredible. And so Charles Blondin did his most famous feat that he would ever do. Next, he got a wheelbarrow. And uh, a wheelbarrow is, you know, it's got two handles and, and a wheel. And, and he began to push this wheelbarrow across the tightrope while walking across it all the way from here to there. And he, he went back. He went, he went from here to there. And he was going backwards across the tightrope, going back and forth across the tightrope. And, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people came to watch this guy do this feat. And they were yelling his name from the, sh- from, from the, uh, the land nearby. And they're saying, we, you're, you're incredible. This is amazing. And so Charles Blonde and this tightrope walker walks off of the rope and he walks to the other side and all the people are standing there. They're shouting his name. And he goes, how many of you believe I can walk this wheelbarrow to the other side? And everybody said, yeah, we believe. And they were shouting, they were celebrating. They said, you're amazing. You can do this. We believe you can do this. And he said, come on, how many of you believe that I can take this wheelbarrow to the other side. They said, we believe, we believe. And then Charles Blondin proposed the question. He said, how many of you are willing to get in the wheelbarrow and let me take you to the other side? Of course, no one said anything at all. Crickets, complete silence. Whoa, I don't know about that. Like I believe, I believe you from a distance, but I'm not willing to get in and let you take me. And so this is our relationship with Jesus. Are you just going to believe he exists? Like, like, are you just going to worship? Like, are you just going to do the thing? Or or are we really going to allow Jesus to take us from here to there, to take us from the life we're living to the life he created us for? 
Are we really just going to believe in or are we going to trust him? And say, you know what? I can't take myself where you want me to go. I can't strive my way. I can't make uh, enough decisions to to get myself there. I'm going to have to get in and let you take me, Jesus. That's when true revival happens. That's when you experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. That even though I'm in a waiting even though I'm in a waiting season, things don't look right. Things look out of whack. I'm getting in the wheelbarrow, and I'm going to let Jesus take me through it. And He's going to get me to the other side.